Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Jordi Amat. Hi, I'm Pablo Machin. Hi, my name is John Guidetti. Hi, I'm Carlos Soler, and this is La Liga Lowdown. And I'm David Garrido. Welcome along. Spanish football is back this weekend. Hope you're excited as we are. Uh, welcome to a new La Liga Lowdown mini pod as we're now part of the Radio Stakhanov podcast network. We're also broadcast on Sirius XM as well as sitting on all of your usual podcast distribution platforms. And joining me are fellow La Liga Lowdown squad members Ewan McTair and Alex Johnson for a special preview pod, a slightly different format to what we usually do. If you're a regular listener, uh, hopefully you know what that's all about. If you're a new listener, hopefully you'll come to know what that's about and enjoy it. Uh, we're looking ahead to the 2018-19 season. Hello to you both. How was the World Cup, Alex? Hello. It was very nice and, and very exciting, a uh, fun time, but I'm really looking forward to La Liga to start finally again. And from the heat of Russia to the heat of Madrid, where Ewan has spent most of his summer, um, how's it been for you? Well, I mean, as a Scotsman, I, I don't know what this World Cup thing is that you're talking about. Uh, I'm just excited to get on with La Liga. And uh, by way of sort of opening comment, if you like, if you had to try and convince someone to take interest in La Liga this season, just what sort of headline points would you make, Ewan, first of all? Uh, well, it's going to be a proper three-team title race. You know, there's Barcelona, there's Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, and any one of them could finish first, second or third. And what about you, Alex? What, what are the kind of things that really jump off the page for you? I think this is going to be a quite unexpected La Liga. It's quite difficult to predict uh, going into it. So I think that there will be a lot of happening and you, you won't really know what's happening. Yeah, I think it'll take a little while for the season to settle down, certainly. Um, well, let's start off, uh, not with the champions, but, but with Real Madrid, because there's been a fair amount of movement, I think it's fair to say. Uh, how much of a, of a changing of the guard is it at Real Madrid? Cristiano Ronaldo is no longer. He's over in Serie A playing for Juventus. So is this a real sort of turning point in terms of eras and history and things like that, Ewan? Yeah, well, not just Ronaldo going, but Zinedine Zidane going as well. And he's mathematically impossible as it sounds he's won three Champions Leagues in two and a half years and now Julian Lopetegui comes in which is a big change anyway and they have to find a way to replace the sort of 50 goals a season that Ronaldo was providing during his nine years at Real Madrid it's going to be tough 
Gareth Bell, it seems now, is staying despite his declarations after the Champions League final and that overhead kick. But Alex, how important was it to keep him with Ronaldo going so that it's not two of them leaving, which would probably have been a bit too much to cope with? Yeah, I think that's important. But I also think it's we're going to see a bit of a different Real Madrid. It's not they don't have this galactic signing that they've had every season for God knows how long. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what this Real Madrid team will be about. And there's not going to be focus on one player, but about the team for, for once. With La Liga, there's always a focus on, on which signs have come in, particularly from one country, which is Brazil. And Barcelona brought in Malcolm and, and, of course, Arthur. We'll talk about them later. But Real Madrid have brought in Rodrigo and also Vinicius Jr. Now, you went to the presentation of Vinicius Jr. at the Estadio Bernabeu, you And what, what did you sort of get from that in terms of impression of him as a, as a player and, and as, a, as a person as well? I think what has impressed me is in pre-season, he's... You know, pre-season is pre-season, but he's just had so much confidence and just runs with the ball and terrorises defences. And the plan is to have him mostly in the B team this year, playing some first-team minutes. You don't want to set expectations too high for him, but I think he can surprise a lot of people and, and make an impact. And now, as we mentioned, it's it's Julian Lopetegui's chance to really make his mark on this Real Madrid side and, and the style of play as well. So are we going to see a very different Madrid to the sort of gala 11, Alex, that we've seen in the last few years where you could just name the team, you know, from the start and it would very rarely change? And what about the opportunities for those younger players, the likes of Isco, Marco Asensio, Lucas Vasquez, to really become proper household names at Real Madrid? I definitely think so. And if you take a player like Esco, looking how how his position in the national team compared to Real Madrid have been, he's been a starter and one of, if not the key player for for Spain. Uh, So I think that's, we're going to see at least more of him and a more bigger role for him in Real Madrid this season. Any other players, Ewan, that you think are worth mentioning that, that could possibly emerge? I mean, one other signing, Alvaro Rodrigo Sola, who will be challenging Danny Carvajal for a place at right back. I mean, I think that is an important signing. Carvajal is obviously still the starter, but last season they didn't really have a backup. Hakimi was okay. Nacho isn't really a right back. And having a proper right back there who can score a great goal as well. He did one for Spain in pre-World Cup friendlies. Yeah, that solves that backup right up. Back up, right back problem, which is hard to say. <laughs> um, uh, what's the priority for Real Madrid this season? Is it La Liga? Because they made it the priority a couple of seasons ago and they went and won it for only the second time in nine years. Or is it once again to, to create this sort of era of domination and continue the era of domination in the Champions League? What do you reckon, Alex? Uh, I think it's difficult to say, but I do think this is a little bit of a, so to say, in-between season for Real Madrid in, in trying to find their new ways without Ronaldo, without Zidane, and, and doing things in another way with not signing the Galacticos as they normally do. So I think this is trying to find a new new way of doing things and maybe also use the use system a bit more and trying to take that from Barcelona. It used to be Barcelona's big strength and, and try to, to make it a, a beautiful thing that, that Real Madrid does much better than Barcelona. <laughs> always try and find a way of getting one up on their big rivals but uh, speaking of Barcelona let's try and you know put together this jigsaw puzzle Ewan because well we've got Malcolm and Arthur as the Brazilians brought in and a number of other signings as well we'll talk about them in a moment but but how do you see them both fitting into already what's a you know increasingly star-studded lineup at Barcelona? 
Well, I think Barcelona are waiting for this FIFA communication that comes through, which says that you can now field 14 or 15 players because I don't know how they're going to fit all of these midfielders in. But I guess that's the point. I mean, last year they didn't have great squad depth. There were a lot of players you could tell Valverde just didn't really trust. And when he had to play them, he wasn't happy. Whereas now, you know, some players might get a bit disgruntled not playing all the time. But when someone's injured, when someone's suspended, Valverde has so many options now with all the midfielders um, and a couple of defenders that they've, they can now rely on. Yeah, Clement Lonley is a, an interesting signing from Sevilla. Seemed to really sort of hit the ground running when, when he joined them. Um, so they've lost a Vidal. They've also signed a Vidal. So out goes Alex. In comes Arturo. But he isn't someone who immediately strikes you as a, as a Barcelona-type player. Um, but did that transfer surprise you at all, Alex? Well, first of all, I think it's, it's a very smart signing in the way that now they can keep on selling the same shirts. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, with Barcelona these days, I'm, I'm not surprised by anything, especially when it comes to signings. Uh, they they don't really do as you predict them to do anymore. Uh, and you don't really know what's happening in, in that boardroom. So, no, in, in that sense, it did not surprise. Yeah, if there's some sort of like, you know, blueprint of the Barcelona transfer strategy, I'd love to have a look at it. I bet it makes very little sense whatsoever. Um, what about Ernesto Valverde? Obviously, almost completed an unbeaten league season with Barcelona in the last campaign. Uh, change system uh, a fair amount. Four four two was the, the the default, which was quite strange to see for a while. Is he under pressure to bring back the de facto Barca formation, a four three three or even a three four three? And and if so, who fits into the three up front of the three in midfield? Yeah, I think he is under a lot of pressure. And you know, last season four four two, it was winning. They won the league. But it didn't really satisfy all of the fans. And now I think he has to be a bit more Barca-ish. Um, and the front three, yeah. Lionel Messi's probably going to be in there, I would imagine. Luis Suarez is still, you know, their centre-forward. They haven't really signed anyone. Like Alex says, it's been a bit wild, so I won't be surprised when they sign Olivia Giroud on deadline day. Um, and then the left-hand side, maybe you've got Malcolm, maybe Usman Dembele, maybe Philip Coutinho, and maybe it is just a rotation of these, all of... Them very, very good players. Uh, and when we talk about academy prospects, I wonder how Sergio Roberto, for example, is going to fit into all this. They haven't really produced too many uh, after Busquets. Um, but in terms of new players that are coming through from La Masia, how much do you expect these young players to, to come through? Because uh, admittedly, there's really not much space. No, not much at all. Like Barcelona as a team and club has changed a lot in, in, in the last few years. And this... La Masia thing that the, in how it was working before where it was coming players all the time up and up to the first team it's not working like that anymore the the B team is not at the same level and the step between the B team and the first team is so much bigger and and you in in terms of cover for Jordi Alba there's a there's a player that that you know a little bit about who who could emerge yeah I mean they've obviously sold Lucas Digne who was Jordi Alba's backup and it seems uh, again can't be surprised by anything, but it seems that like they're going to promote Juan Miranda from, from La Masia. 18-year-old won the youth league with Barcelona last year. And if they decide that he's now the backup left-back, you know, that's great. That's a real, uh, perhaps, returning point for La Masia. Well, if we had to try and play as devil's advocate as we can with Barcelona, what, what do you think is the one main weakness as they seek to, to defend this La Liga title? I think it's what was their biggest uh, strength before, which was that it was they did have a very, very clear philosophy of how they were playing and how their football worked and looked like. And, and these days, they're still trying to, to figure out how, how they're playing football and, and what their philosophy is and how to do it with, with the players they have now. Yeah, I mean, in terms of a reason why Barcelona might not retain their La Liga title, uh, towards Atletico Madrid. 
Oh, what a, what a smooth segue that was. Let's talk a little bit about Diego Simeone's side. Um, I mean, they seem well set, don't they, a- ahead of the new season. Uh, some very interesting business and, and seen by most people as smart minutes as well. Rodri Hernandez in from Villarreal. Thomas Lamar uh, is in from Monaco. The only thing, I suppose, if you want to be really quite sort of picky about this is the players that they have let go. There's a lot of experience in, in those legs and in those minds as well, really. Gabi, Fernando Torres. So where do they look to for leadership? Yeah, that's a real uh, important point because, I mean, Gabi and Fernando Torres both, you know, bleed red and white. Um, maybe not literally, although I've never checked. Um, yeah, I think, you know, in terms of what they could offer still as, as footballers at that level, maybe they were a little bit past it, but I don't think we should underestimate what Atletico lose in that dressing room. And Diego Godin is, uh, he can be a real captain. He is for Uruguay and we see how how hard they compete all the time. But there's going to be other players have to step up. Koke and Saul in the midfield are, are Atletico born and bred and they're going to have to really step up and inherit a little bit of a leadership role. And someone who's only just recently come back to training with Atletico is, of course, Antoine Griezmann, now a world champion. Um, aside maybe a new haircut and possibly a new celebration when he scores a goal, what version of Antoine Griezmann will we see this year, Alex? Well, I hope we will see the best version of Anthony Griezmann. And I, I think that after everything that went on with if he was leaving or not leaving uh, and how we actually ended up deciding to stay at Atletico and, and the way that all came about, I think also helps showing his heart for the club. And uh, I think that w- will help him give a good performance as well. How do you see it sort of fitting together with, with Lamar? Where, where does he fit in? How do they change things formation-wise? Because there's been... You know, rumours they've been flirting with a 4-3-3 and seeing whether they might be able to adapt to that. But that seems like the, the least Cholo Simeone-esque thing to do ever. Yeah, it does. But in recent years, he has already shown a bit of the sign of, of wanting to evolve. And yeah, maybe they do just have to change the formation a little bit, a bit more of a 4-3-3 and fit in Lamar and, and squeeze in these players. And again, a lot of these players that they've signed are are ones who can come in and back up other players really well or come in as subs. Yeah, Atletico have options this season and they can put together some sort of some sort of system and maybe, maybe win another La Liga title. Actually, for me personally, I'm delighted that we've still got uh, Diego Simeone uh, dressed all in black, gesticulating like mad on that touchline for Atletico Madrid. Um, but do you think uh, Alex needs to do anything differently? Because as, as you've been sort of mentioned, he's tried to evolve, but I'm not sure he's actually necessarily succeeded in evolving. Yeah, I think if we, we look at the, the last couple of seasons, we've seen when Atletico have struggled, it's been because they've been stuck in the same way of playing, in the same way of doing things, because that's what's been successful. But you can't do the same thing, exactly the same thing year after year after year, because other teams will um, start learning how, how you're working as well. And I think they need to, to refresh a little bit and, and just get in some new wind. Uh, and that's really what Atletico needs to do if they're, going to keep having the same coach for that long of time even how good he is even even is so it could be a compelling title race that's the top three covered hope that's whetted your appetite we're going to discuss the european places and the relegation battle after this i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back, everyone. This is the La Liga Lowdown mini pod previewing the new season in Spanish football. So we've mentioned the title race. Let's focus on those Champions League and European contenders. Uh, Valencia under Marcelino last season, one of those teams to surprise. They really managed to click back into gear and be where we expect them to be. But will they give the top three a bit of a bloody nose again, Ewan? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, La Liga is so unpredictable from the point of view of fourth place. I mean, very rarely does a team win fourth place twice in a row. So Valencia are going to have their work cut out, not just because uh, you know they're in the Champions League, but their, their squad has improved a little bit, but they might lose Guedes. I think that's the thing, isn't it? The, the first 11 seems very strong, but when they suffered injuries last season, the likes of Carlos Soler or all suspensions, uh, Jeffrey de Condogbio or Danny Parejo, suddenly you felt they had a bit of a soft underbelly there and, and that was exposed by a number of teams. Um, but one team who, who actually finished the season strongly and now have taken that momentum into the summer is Villarreal. So they finished fifth. Um, what do we make of the business they've done this summer, Alex? Particularly Gerard Moreno for Club Record Fee, uh, Carl Tokoyakambi, and of course, one of the best stories ever, the return of Santi Casorla. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's actually one of the teams I'm most excited about seeing this season. And I think like they ended last season very well, but in, in the start of that season, it wasn't that well. And, uh, and I, but I think this could be a little bit of a comeback for them in, in that sense and getting back to those European spots and also getting back Santi Casorla. It gives a special atmosphere, I think, around the entire club. Top four, any chance of top four? For Villarreal, maybe. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tight. It's going to be close. There's a lot of teams in that race, and Villarreal are, yeah, they've had such a such a good summer. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they if they make it in there and this time actually get into the Champions League because now the fourth place doesn't have to go through the playoff, which is where they lost last time. And just by the way, uh, talking about Villarreal, we managed to uh, grab a word with Gerard Moreno. I say grab a word. We spoke to him. We sat down and chat for half an hour. Lovely chap. Um, yeah, that's more than a few words. Yeah, uh, one of our. Preseason exclusive interviews, as is one of Rabetis' new signings, Joel Robles, who's, who's joined uh, from Everton. And people are getting very excited, Alex, about Rabetis. I think that when it comes to Betis, they're everyone's second team, unless you happen to support Sevilla. Yeah? Um, and, and there's a lot of love for them. Do you agree? Is there real reason to be excited? I think there's always reason to be excited about Betis because even when they're having their worst ever season or their best ever season, their matches is always the most enjoyable to watch in La Liga because it's always happening. It's insane stuff and last minute goals, penalties, p- hitting the post, everything that can happen on a football pitch happens when Betis play football. So uh, either way they have been doing in this transfer window, it would be exciting. But I think they've been doing very well. I don't know. I mean, it's been such a sort of fairy tale rise over the last couple of seasons for Betis that something is surely bound to go wrong this year. I mean, they've brought in a lot of good players, but a lot of the time they've sort of bring in players that are available, not the ones that they need. Uh, some of these players have come on on a free transfer, uh, signed William Carvalho from Sporting. That was a sort of different situation. So they've signed a lot of very good players, but are these the ones that are really going to take Betis over the line? I mean, I love Takashi Inui, 
but he doesn't really strike me as the kind of player who'll fit into a very tactical and technical minded better system. His his thing at Ibor was always get the ball, run forward and try and score. Under Kiki Setien, that might frustrate him a little bit on the sidelines. What about Sevilla? I mean, does anyone have a clue what's going to go on at Sevilla? Because they've changed coach again. Obviously, they went from Jorge Zampaoli to Toto Berizzo. Then they went to Joaquin Caparros. And one, actually, with Vincenzo Montella in between. And then, and obviously, now they've got Pablo Machin, who's moved from Girona. So is that the end of the story? Is that the solution to the problem? I think they need patience. And I think that's been, been missing when it comes to, to coaches because... You can't just have a coach for a few months and then decide, no, this didn't work. And if we took when, when Berisso was there, for example, it wasn't the perfect start of the season, but it wasn't that bad either. So uh, I think they need to have more patience. And especially with Pablo Machin, we don't really know what how he will do in, in a team at that level. He's been extraordinary at Girona uh, during the last years. And it's going to be very exciting to see how he will do with a team like that. Do you think at least they will be more organised? That's one of the things they haven't necessarily been over the last few years. Uh, yeah, I mean, Machine is again a, a coach who likes to set up his team in a certain way and he'll make sure that everyone's in the right position. But yeah, again, generally it's it's hard to see where Sevilla go. I think it's just really the result of karma. Like Alex said, they sat Berizzo after a decent start to the season and it was a few days before Christmas and he had cancer. So really, um, you know, I'm not going to get into all the tactics of it all, but karma has decided that Sevilla were to finish seventh last season and I don't know if karma has finished punishing Sevilla yet. Oh, okay. We'll see. We'll see what happens at the same piece one. Um, now, uh, let's switch ends of the country and uh, two new bosses also at the big bass clubs Toto Berizzo is now at Athletic Asier Garitano at Real Sociedad they've got to bounce back after what happened last season haven't they Alex? Yeah and I think these are, are the right coaches to bring in it's, it's two really good coaches and two of the best coaches we've seen in La Liga if we, if we take Athletic Club it's a very difficult team to come and be a coach at because you can't sign players any players that you want. You, you can only sign players from the Basque country. So you basically need to adapt your playing style after the players rather than get the players that fit the way you want to play. Um, and I think, uh, and I hope Berisso can do that very well. So, um, and I think Real Sociedad have, have gotten a, a good one in Garitano who did very, very well with Leganes. Now they're losing one really good and important player in Oyar Sabal, but they have a, a good team in general and, and they should be up there, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of the weirdest things was seeing Athletic towards the, the bottom of the table, but we don't expect them to be there again. In terms of the relegation battle, Ewan, we've got Wesker, who are La Liga first-timers. They've got some really interesting loan signs that they've made. Ruben Semedo, that's a story in itself and deserves its own podcast, perhaps. Axel Werner, Pablo Insua, um, Jabe Cheita, Samuel Elongo, who was banging the men for Girona in Segunda División. What, what are their chances of, of actually staying up like the other first-timers have done? I don't think it's going to be so much about the transfers for Huesca, but the guy who's in the dugout, which is Leo Franco, who used to play for the club, goalkeeper. But this is like his first ever season coaching. And as good as the signings might be, as good as he might be in a few years, this is a big ask to expect him to to do really well with such inexperience. And I think that's going to be a theme of this relegation battle is coaches that don't have that much La Liga experience, but they've been given a big job to do and someone's going to fail. What about Rayo, who are back? And, and you know, I think... Um, yeah, a few seasons ago, uh, with uh, Paco Hemis in charge, they were one of the most entertaining teams in La Liga. They've spent a little bit of time in Segunda. Back they come, along with Real Valladolid. Which of those two is better equipped to avoid relegation, Alex? It's difficult to say. Uh, Rayo lost one of, of their most important players from last season, now with Fran Beltran going to Celta Vigo. Uh, but I do think that, look, since it wasn't that long ago that Rayo actually was in La Liga, they probably have a little bit more 
experience in that sense, even if I lead in historically have more experience of La Liga than Rayo, uh, I would say that I think Rayo has a little bit better chance. Okay, let's look into the crystal ball and see where it's looking particularly gloomy for any other team. Who has something to worry about that who wouldn't normally be in a relegation battle, Ewan? Well, I mean, it's very sunny in Barcelona, but I think there's some some rain clouds, some gloom and doom over the uh, Espanyol Stadium and Training Centre because they've sold and lost so many players. They've lost a goalkeeper, a centre-back, a left-back, midfielder, a striker. And I'm not just talking about squad players. I'm talking about from their starting eleven. And they've not really brought anyone in. So yeah, I worry about Espanyol. Maybe there are three teams worse than them, but I think they're going to be down that wrong end of the table. And, and Alex, you're in, in Vigo this year. Um, the team that you will be watching, is this their last season in La Liga for a little while? Or do you think it's not that critical yet with Celta? I do not think they are, are going to be relegated, but I think there is reasons to worry. And I, I think this is going to be a difficult season for them. And they've lost two of their most important players in midfield. They've lost Daniel Vaz to Valencia, who's been just brilliant the last couple of seasons, especially last season. But I think that the biggest loss is losing Pablo El Tuco Hernandez, who's going back to Argentina, who's just been a, a key player for, for Celta de Vigo for, for so long now. Uh, and they haven't really got in any player to replace those players yet. Uh, Fran Beltran, that we mentioned before, but he's still a very young player and he's not the player that you expect to put that responsibility on just yet. And there is talks about Matthias uh, ah, Janssen, yeah, yeah, coming from Denmark, doing Celta doing another replace a Dane with a Dane. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. And it's an interesting player, but it's it's not at the same level as the players they've lost. Mm. Well, at least, you know, with, when there's Yago Aspas, there's hope, isn't there, as far as Celta are concerned. Um, one other talking point, VAR in La Liga this season. This should be interesting. How, how do we expect it to be managed in Spain? Uh, poorly, um, <laughs> which is great. It's going to be good fun. It worked really well at the World Cup. I think most people agree it will make the game fairer. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some some grown pains in La Liga as it as it comes in, and I can't wait to see just how just how dramatically Mateo Lajos points to the penalty spot from from round about the centre field. So that's a little taste of the drama that is to come, um, guys. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your your company on this mini pod. We've got through a lot of topics in a relatively short space of time. Um, before we go, just a reminder of our other platforms where you can tuck in and fill up on tasty Spanish football content. Our Twitter feed is the place to be just to hang out with us on social media. All of the squad sort of take control of the account at different times. So go have a look. Get to know us if you haven't already. Our handle is at La Liga Lowdown. Our YouTube channel uh, is up and running, growing by the minute. Check it out. Go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash La Liga Lowdown or quite simply if it's easier for you put it La Liga Lowdown into your search engine we've got regularly uploaded video content including those exclusive interviews that we mentioned our website houses everything all in one place that's www.laligalowdown.com so feel free to have a little nose around there uh, but that is it and we'll see you next time that's your La Liga Lowdown see you soon